It's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Dunbar. Is Hunter Dunbar here tonight? That's enough. I need to get an autograph. Don't let him do this to me. I'm a fan. I'm a number one fan. Is it difficult to find famous people's houses? I use my star map app. You have to be careful. I don't want you to be accused of stalking. Hey, you can't just come to my private residence looking for me. Listen, pal, I don't know how you found me, but I don't ever want to see you in this neighborhood again. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We're part of the Main Naming Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themaindaming.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at themaindaming. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Del Vecchio, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, friends. Happy birthday, Gritty. Uh, we, we couldn't go one podcast without mentioning Philadelphia. <laughs> At least we got it out of the way early. Yeah. yeah now sure. we don't probably have to talk about it ever again. God willing. Until Gritty's birthday next year. <laughs> so, so what is he? He's now officially one years old. One years old. One years old. So twelve months. This week, you guys offline have been clamoring for me to pick a movie that is new and up to date and current. So I did just that, and then you guys bitched about this movie. <laughs> Isn't that the whole point of this podcast? It absolutely is. Okay. But a lot of other people are talking about this movie, so figured if we waited until after October to get this in, it would be kind of old hat. So we decided to do this movie this week, and it is 2019's The Fanatic, starring John Travolta. Gentlemen, my question for you this week is, did this movie lose you before or after the Limp Biscuit song? Uh, I don't think I was ever really on board with the movie. Uh, I think, if anything, I was lost pretty early on. Okay. Mark? Yeah, yeah. Definitely lost early on. And just from a, uh, a slightly personal thing, that just the way I, with the um, mentally handicapped thing with that guy, that Travolta portrayed, it lost me pretty quickly, having personal experience with that. Yeah, this movie, I uh, prepped for this podcast by watching three Limp Bizkit music videos. And I will tell you, why does not hold up for a few reasons. Okay. A, because it starts off with Ben Stiller and Steven Dorff passing off their valet keys to Fred Durst. And then Fred Durst joins the rest of Limp Bizkit on top of the World Trade Center. Yeah. for the rest of the song throughout the rest Ooh. of the music video. It's hard to believe there was a time when that band kind of ruled the music landscape. Durst made a Yankee hat more famous than any Yankee can, as he mentioned in his song Empire State of Minds. Right? That's what happened. Yeah, that's, that's right. His his big comeback song, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, 
I kind of I agree with Mark with the way that Travolta played this character. I was just really depressed throughout the first, I want to say, three quarters of this movie. Mm-hmm. And not because of the character, but just what's become of John Travolta at yeah. this point in his career. Yeah, it just felt really uncomfortable watching this movie. Yeah. Now, what's fascinating about that is that he's playing a character named Moose who is because John Travolta is a 60-year-old man. He's playing a 60-year-old man who is on the spectrum, either autistic or Asperger's, but he's severely autistic. What's fascinating about that, though, is John Travolta had a son that was autistic. Jet was his son that died at the age of 16 in 2009 while they are on vacation in Barbados or the Bahamas, and he was autistic. So it kind of informs his performance because he's not only playing a person that's autistic he's also playing someone that's very adolescent Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if that his relationship with his son and his experience with his son informed his performance right almost like paying an homage right but he's but his son wasn't 60 years old you know right his son was he died when he was 16 which is tragic and I'm sure he was, in terms of uh, maturity, I'm sure he was still very adolescent. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was kind of where Travolta pulled from. I think Jen and I, when we watched this, I think she even mentioned it sort of has that Forrest Gump feeling to it. Forrest is more, I guess, mentally mature in some aspects. It's, it's almost like that movie with Robin Williams. What was it Dave? Jack. Jack. Right. So like he's a grown up, but he's really still a kid in mindset. It's almost like a Forrest Gump Jack type of amalgamation. Sure. Would you guys be surprised to know that this is not Fred Durst's directorial debut? Uh, I'm surprised. He has two other movies under his belt. He has a coming of age story entitled The Education of Charlie Banks starring. That's I think that's the one I kind of heard of. Yeah, starring what's-his-name from Social Network. Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg, among other people. But he also directed The Long Shots. If you don't remember that movie, that was the Ice Cube coaching peewee football movie. Yeah, and he also directed several eHarmony commercials, which I just found delightful. So hold on. (laughs) The the Long Shots, is that with uh, The Rock? No, that's the game plan. No, wasn't there... He's the football coach... Of like a bunch of juvenile delinquents. Is that Gridiron Gang? Iron Gang, that's okay. Got yeah. it. Sorry. Nope. The long shots is Ice Cube and Kiki Palmer. True story of Jasmine Plummer, who at the age of 11 became the first female to play in Pop Warner football tournament in its 56-year history. Oh. Directed by Fred Durst. Um, <laughs> yeah, he also I'm, I'm... directed the Fred Durst sex date. Oh. But that was only a short. Zing. Zing. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, okay, there is Long Shots, The Education of Charlie. So he actually has some, like, because The Education of Charlie Banks was a theatrical release, wasn't it? Yeah, that's like an independent film. Okay. And he directed, like, every Puddle of Mud music video. <laughs> I saw that. I, that's a, I guess they were friends? I don't know what that I was about. I guess so. I just feel like they would not be friends, right, with the type of music that they were and what Limp Biscuit was? I feel like it was yeah. the complete opposite. Well, Limp Biscuit was also, like, friends with they could have met through would you say puddle of mud's closer to corn no uh, no? no not at all like corn's trying to is... think corn's new metal puddle of mud is very aughts alternative rock yeah i i would yeah i would say they're more that speed so yeah just to me 
it's a little strange that Durst was friends with Puddle of Mud. But, he seems to know, have I, a lot of friends if you watch his, the music videos. They seem a bunch of people t- send, tend to pop Red up. Man, right? Red Man. Yeah, Snoop. Snoop Bro, yeah. Well, shows up and breaks stuff. He doesn't uh, like Polly Shore. Was, right. was that the beginning of if you paid Snoop money, he would do just about anything? Mm-hmm. I think he still does that, right? More or less. That's what yeah. I mean. Is, it, is that the beginning? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably, right? Pretty much. Hey, I mean, Snoop, we have this terrible video game. We want you to be the main character and how much sure <laughs> don't you don't have to finish you got me you got me this movie currently has a 3.9 on imdb and a rotten tomato score of 18 percent stars john travolta devin sawa and anna golia it is a red box production and you know you're in for a treat when you get about 13 different production company logos mm-hmm. in the beginning of your movie and the only one you recognize is Redbox. So this was almost in, like with Gotti that was the movie pass, right? Movie pass, yep. So it's sort of similar in terms of what to expect when you open up with this movie. Like all right, you're getting a movie pass movie and now you're getting a Redbox movie. So you have to taper your expectations on this. Mhm. Yeah. This was this was a trash movie. It wasn't as yeah. bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be completely incompetent. Like, I'll say I wasn't distracted by Fred Durst being a terrible director in any way, shape, or form. I think the biggest problem with this movie is story and John Travolta's choice to act the way he did. We talked it's about... More I, his haircut is the distraction. <laughs> haircut's very distracting. We talked about, I think it's the Gotti episode, we talked about John Travolta being oatmeal and Nicolas yeah. Cage being Thai food. This yes. is John Travolta's attempt to be Thai food. <laughs> That's a phenomenal is, way to put it. it yeah. This is And his, his way to be Thai food is he thought he put some sriracha in that oatmeal. Yeah, right. <laughs> so now I'm going to agree with Anthony because I think Fred Durst is not the problem no, so much in all. this. Uh, it, it is. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It flows perfectly fine. Travolta is by far the biggest problem in this movie. You see him try to flex his acting chops, mm-hmm. and it's just they're not there anymore. Like I watched the taking of. Pelham One Two Three, the remake with Travolta and Denzel Washington. It just seems like Travolta is now known for wacky hairstyles in all of his movies. He just yeah. he looks awful in every movie he's in, and this one was him really trying, and it's it's real cringeworthy. Yeah, I will say one thing: his choice in real life to shave his head, I'm on board with that. He finally made a good choice. I mean, he <sighs> he dealt with hair pieces for a long time, and it was obvious and sad and then oh, he cut he went i thought you were talking about in this movie to shave no, his no, no, head no. the way he did in no, real no, no. life yes, in that's... real life shaved his head and he looks great now yeah. he just has to come to terms with the fact that he's gay and everyone will accept him as such <laughs> right but until he does if uh, anything that'll just propel his career further yes right? he would have a travolta essence i don't i'm trying to do the reconnaissance with travolta right. it, there's really nothing there but travolta renaissance and then he yeah. has to leave scientology and oh. help bring that down yeah from the inside and maybe stop acting 
Maybe go to TV. Maybe tra- maybe it's time for Travolta to just go to television. A welcome back Cotter kind of reunion thing. Sure. Maybe yeah, welcome back Cotter. Welcome back whatever his name was. Well, that guy's probably dead. The guy who played Cotter, I'd imagine. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't I I don't know. Welcome but back he's... Barbarino. There Barbarino's got to go back to high school. He's not the teacher, but he never finished high school. So now as a 60-year-old man, he's <laughs> going back. Madison. He's I, going I, back I, to his high school. He's going back to night school. And he's trying I, to pull all the same bullshit that he pulled on Cotter. And, like, I, it's just not happening. I would rather see him as the teacher because then I, I, I would just I feel really more bad realistic. for him. Yeah. You're I'm probably right. right. I'm writing this pilot. All right, so... <laughs> We have uh, Frankenstein versus the Wolfman. Uh, now we have Welcome Back Barbarino. Yep. I think we, what was the other good one? I can't remember. There were so many good ones. Yes, we have quite a few. Right now. I'll disagree one thing with Dan here. I think the biggest problem in this movie is more the writing than Travolta. I'm going to lean towards Dan on this one. Okay. Right, go ahead. But go ahead. No, I just I just didn't like, and maybe, and you guys will be proud of this, I didn't like anything about this movie. Um, I am very happy to hear that, yes. At all. I, uh, maybe I was just biased the whole way just because of the way it seemed like they wrote Travolta's character. Now, I don't know how much of it was actually on script or things as, I didn't know about the son thing, you know, beforehand. How much maybe he ad-libbed or improv things that his son may have done. Just the way they wrote that, and then there's no like no redeeming characters at all. I just had a problem with most of the movie throughout it. I'll say I, I only lean towards Dan I just because I think John Travolta came to set with an idea of how he was going to portray this character, yeah. and nobody told him not to. Nobody reeled him in a little bit, because there are scenes where it's like it's obvious that Travolta's like, I'm just going to ad lib here. And then, you know, Fred Durst turned to the cinematographer and he's just like, keep rolling, rolling, rolling. And um, <laughs> that was my one, the one joke I wrote previous to the podcast, <laughs> how to get it in. And it's just obvious that he's ad libbing in scenes that just go on for way too long. And that's probably, that's probably a direction problem or an editing problem. The whole scene where he goes into, he sneaks into the house and mm-hmm. he just starts playing around everywhere. That I feel like that's pure Travolta just being like, "I'm le- just let me do my thing." Yeah, uh, but I I kind of give him I'll give him a little credit because when he he has the mannerisms down, Pat pretty well I'd say right like he he has that where he touches his earlobe, the rocking back and forth, like that kind of stuff. I feel like that's things it, he's seen in other movies. It, I would possibly. Yeah, it's very pop- maybe that's something that his son did. I I, I have it's no possible. idea. I'll give him just the 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 littlest iota of credit for that, where he could have just played it straight, where he's like, yeah, I'm on the spectrum, and that's all. Like, he, there's no mannerisms there. Yeah. But he did he did a little bit. Again, he tried to flex his acting chops, and they're just at this point they're decrepit and yeah, it's, it's not fun anymore. In another time, we would quote Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder of the one yes. rule of acting. Yeah, that's and, we, we, will not, we will not repeat it. We will not repeat it here. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Obama. <laughs> I think there are plenty of problems with this movie. This movie has a voiceover for some reason, <laughs> and it's not Fred Durst. 
not Fred Durst. It's not Devin Sawa, and it has no. nothing to do. It lifts completely out of the movie, mm-hmm. and yeah, you wouldn't the, miss it. It's the friend, right? It's yeah. the supporting character who, so, yeah. who has no arc, no insight into the, <laughs> the movie. And might be into, the worst person in the movie. Well, she is not a good person. Her opening VO line says, I think she says something like, I think I'm some what responsible or i think this is my fault yeah. it totally is i, I, I can't 100%. help but feel responsible in some way for this <laughs> so that's right so, bitch you showed him the star map app last week with deadly prey where we had arguably the best ending we now transition to the other end of the spectrum where oh, it's yeah. arguably the worst ending we've ever yeah. gone over yeah i can't it, even find anything to say positive about that ending no, it like, does not make you feel good, that's for sure. Everything <laughs> about it is just completely misguided and wrong. Yeah. No no one comes out of that, that ending feeling, yeah, all those characters got exactly what they deserved and wanted, and I'm glad I watched this movie. <laughs> no, yeah, you're, you're definitely not going to leave this viewing feeling complete in any way. Uh, we're all dumber for having watched this movie. <laughs> well, we're we're poorer for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's probably time to get into the plot. I will tell the viewers now. I only watched this movie once, so my notes are quicker than usual. So we're probably gonna blow through this. But guys, stop me when we get to a part that you want to talk about and flesh out a little bit more. Before we do that, we are going to stop as we do and take a listen to a message from a friend of the podcast. So we will be right back. Hey everyone, this is Steve and this is Adam and we're part of the hot nation USA podcast, Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history and homebrew. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back, and I guess it's about time to get into the plot for The Fanatic. As we mentioned, it opens up on uh, about a dozen production company logos. And this movie opens up on a quote from Hunter Dar- Dunbar, a fictional character we haven't even met yet. <laughs> <laughs> and what is it? It's about, you're a fan, I'm nothing without you? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, you're a fan, I'm nothing without you. Yep, I believe that's yeah. the... I thought, for a second, I really thought that was an actual quote from someone important. I only knew I only I knew what Devin Sawa's character's name was before that. That's the only reason why I knew going uh-huh. in like that. It's fucking starting off with a character we haven't met yet, and it's just something that he says in the movie. <laughs> you probably could have just kept it with the quote and not say who said it. I guess yeah, I don't probably. know. I don't know. Yeah. Or just gotten yeah. rid of it. I'll be a hundred percent honest. I had no idea John Travolta was in this movie until really? the until the name popped on the screen. I think I we've that talked... was like, yeah, I thought this was I like the selling it, no, point. Yeah, I in my head. We talked about this movie like a year ago. We may have. It didn't click until his name popped on the screen. 
Yeah, I think we actually might have mentioned this movie when we did our Gotti movie. Like we started yeah. looking up John Travolta's filmography, and I think Dan, you were the one that mentioned that he has he had a movie coming up with that was directed by Fred Durst. Right. Yeah. One of my uh, coworkers, oh, okay. once they found out that we were reviewing Gotti, mentioned to mm-hmm. me, "Hey, he has a new movie directed by Fred Durst coming out. It looks awful. You should review it." So <laughs> that, that completely left my mind after that podcast. Yeah. Well, Mark, we, Mark, when he's done a podcast, he just he erases it from his memory, and moves on right. to the next. It, Mark is a podcasting robot. It, he just <laughs> yes. processes podcasts and spits them out. Yep. <laughs> and then erases. <laughs> Supposedly, this was the worst opening of any of John Travolta's movies in his career. Yeah, I think I I, I heard that it made something like. In 52 screens, I think it averaged like 60 bucks. Oh. 60 bucks a screen for like a total of like three grand. And, well, obviously some of it was probably Travolta mm. and and Durst. Yeah. Friends and family that work at Redbox. Yeah, that's brutal, man. I, like again, it's when the movie opens and you see Travolta's uh, moose. You feel bad for him, but it's, you feel worse for Travolta. Yeah, it's it just a, sounds like a bad euphemism without yeah, Travolta's specifying there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just an embarrass. It's embarrassing to watch. Yes. Yeah. The quote from Hunter Dunbar is followed by a VO, as we mentioned, that pops up a total of four times from a character that is not a main character by any stretch of the imagination. Then we have Moose traveling around in his uh, moped. He is a severely autistic man in his 60s who does not have the mental capacity to survive on his own, let alone as a man in his 60s. It's pretty obvious because he's riding around on his moped and he's kind of, as they would call um, in the horse world, posting as he's riding. Mm-hmm. But And to the untrained eye, it looks like he's humping his moped. Um, <laughs> right. That's. I, th- I thought it was just him trying to... Like he was climbing a hill on it, and he's kind of like trying to, you know, get a little bit of momentum going forward. But then I realized he's special, and yeah, yeah. It's like that. It's like the checklist. It's like I'm playing someone that's on the spectrum. I I should be rocking back and forth. Right. He does it quite a lot. I have to be humping something at all times. So he goes to a celebrity merchandise store and finds out that his favorite actor, Hunter Dunbar, is doing an autograph signing, and his first line. He yes, walks was, through the door. I was hoping you weren't going to skip this. How could you? <laughs> this is our introduction to our main character. He says, I can't talk long. I have to poo. <laughs> can't talk too long. I got to poo. I uh, thought I heard that. I was watching this at work. I thought I misheard that. So I had to rewind it and kind of play it a little louder. And I'm really happy that I did. Because I got to enjoy it with my coworkers, and we all had a nice laugh about it. And that was really the last laugh I had at this movie. So yeah. it goes downhill real quick. Yeah, that is our introduction to our our main character and what you assume is the hero of the film. <laughs> Obviously, not quite. But that's Moose. It's Moose in a nutshell. He can't talk long because he has to poo. <laughs> Priorities, friends. Priorities. Yeah. So he, as he mentioned, he finds out Hunter Dunbar is doing an autograph signing there. 
but he tells the guy that owns the celebrity merchandise store that he is going to a party where Hunter Dunbar is going to be there. So the guy that owns it gives him like this jacket that Hunter Dunbar wore in Hunter Dunbar, his filmography from what we hear is he a, is he a, like an A-lister? Because all of his movies sound like shit. And from I, what we see, they look like shit. Well, he does at one point in the movie, uh, I guess I think it's at the end, he says he'll call his manager and they can get a table wherever they want. Yeah. So he must have some pull in Hollywood. I mean, like we even see clips of his one of his movies, which I think is like Vampire Slayer, I think yeah, it's called. Or... The, when he has the re- go vest on or space vampires or something like that mm-hmm. and it looks like it was shot it has to do with vampires. durst was really working with what he had there yeah what but, i'm saying is i feel like hunter dunbar is really a ted Pryor type what i think what you're trying to say is he does he come off as like a sharknado guy yeah a little bit and okay so Zering. i can see that <laughs> yeah and i i really think he's played off as a, a list celebrity yep yeah and uh, and this also you're introduced to the first person that doesn't do right by Moose, Moose in this movie, you know, selling him that jacket for three hundred dollars. Right. Which sure. After Moose tells him that's all I have. Well, yeah, movie. but he doesn't take the money immediately. He says he by says the end of the year. the year. Yeah. Which um, I'm assuming that means that he's really not gonna he's really not gonna take the money from moose however you are right in that he's enabling moose there are two people in this movie that are that should be like hey what do you how are you maintaining your home in terms of rent who's watching after you when i'm not around and like maybe you should be in a home somewhere right well and he even has and uh, i think the very next scene he goes to his apartment and it's a nice apartment yeah right i mean in hollywood it looks like shit because he you know, he doesn't because clean that's up, how he is. But, yeah. But yeah, it's probably like a $2,500 a month apartment. Right. And his, his, we find out later, his means of supporting himself is he's one of those street actors. Yeah. He plays an English Bobby on Hollywood Boulevard and is not good at it. No, no. So, it's, it's again, another cringy moment. It's, Embar- it's that's the most embarrassing scene. But you, they couldn't have just made him something better, right? Right. They, they couldn't I, have. I don't know. That's a hundred percent Travolta. That he wanted know. to be. He wanted to yeah. be a constable. Yeah. I don't. I. I guess. <laughs> Guys, I want to try. I. I have this English accent. I want to try. <laughs> I've been working on. <laughs> I mean, let's let's go one thing out of the way. They would not have been able to use any licensed characters no. for this. But yeah. A a knockoff Superman would have worked. Well, what about like a mime or something? You know, I mean, <laughs> you could have done anything. Why why make him do that terrible English accent? I, again, I think Mark's right. I think that's something. Well, what if I just did a an English accent? They just wanted to have Travolta yell out "poppycock" like nine <laughs> times. <laughs> uh, but the one thing I did notice, and I don't know if this got past uh, a certain company's lawyers when he's working. Working on the the strip, you see a, a poster for the Incredibles, mm-hmm. and I doubt that they got the the rights to show that logo. No, it seems like they they're like, let's take a camera, 
yeah. might come and we'll just we're just gonna go to Hollywood Boulevard because it's actually shot in South Carolina, I believe. Most of this, except oh, is for it? the scenes. Okay, because I was gonna say that looks like like Hollywood Boulevard, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think did they mm, might have pulled no. a fast one on Disney. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So that's his that's his means of paying rent and feeding himself. Uh, I don't know how he does it. I think <laughs> no. Well, no, they it comes into play that I think most of his rent is taken care of by his friend, who's a paparazzi. Who's like who's like nineteen, maybe. Yeah. Where she's very young, and it, I I think and this was gonna be in my uh, how to make this movie better. I would have liked to have explored their relationship a little bit better. Yeah. Just like, how did they meet, sort of way, because it's. When she's introduced, it's just that they've been friends for an unknown amount of time. But it's it's apparent that she's known him for quite a while. Yeah. But she's yeah, she, another one of the enablers. She is another enabler. Um, she's the worst one. She is the worst, the worst. one. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, after he leaves the celebrity merchandise store, he meets up with his friend Leah, who is a paparazzi. They meet in an alley. He's supposed to be going to the celebrity party, which he believes... Oh. Hunter Dunbar is supposed to be at. And and this is also after Travolta does the thing everybody does and starts having a conversation with Hunter Dunbar in the mirror. Yeah. As he's getting ready. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. That's, yeah. When Anthony asked at the beginning, when did the movie, like, right around this time, I got lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's not that's not the last conversation he has with himself. Yeah. But, it, oh, it's so bad. Yeah. So he, uh, he winds up you know, sneaking into this party, um, starts talking with some of these celebrities that are there. Eventually, he winds up getting kicked out, and Hunter Dunbar isn't even there to, you know, for him to see. Uh, the next day, he winds up. He shows up at for the signing. He's online to get his jacket, his vest signed by Hunter Dunbar. Just as he's about to go up, Hunter gets pulled away. His ex-wife showed up. He's like, "You're supposed to take the kid. I've got a date tonight." What the fuck. And uh, he has a, a moment with his ex-wife, and uh, essentially, Moose gets screwed out of getting a signature. I, I'm gonna blame the owner, the proprietor of that shop, because he he knows how like anal Moose is about this guy, mm-hmm. right? So he's next online. He sees that, and by the way, he's wearing an awesome uh, Falco jersey. Did you notice that? Yeah, Shane, Shane, Shane Falco. Falco. Yeah, I, that's so awesome. It's probably the best part of the movie. But <laughs> I, he sees that he's next. Just let him get the autograph right. and then tell him. All right. I mean, that's kind of a dick move on his part. He, yeah, there's no foresight he, in that. He may right. be the reason why everything happened. I think it really is. Yeah. It's 100% the reason why everything that happens afterwards. So the Who, two what, villains of this movie are also the enablers. The merchandise store owner and leah because nothing would happen without both of them right and so and to be fair moose and uh hunter have a little bit of a uh a run-in an altercation and hunter really acts like a a great a jerk to moose yeah and and granted moose is all up in his business right but nobody seems to acknowledge when like moose is acting in a way that's inappropriate and like societal norms nobody Mm -hmm. sits there and takes a step back is like oh there's something wrong with this guy maybe you know maybe i'll meet him halfway a little bit so apparent yeah right i mean 
you see how he talks and you you would think a decent human being not even just a decent human being just any person would be like oh okay i got it all right yeah. i'm not i may not sign something for you but i'll at least i won't go as hard on you mm-hmm. because i mean he threatens to like what is it? he threatens to give him a punch in the face as a souvenir yeah this isn't the scene this is not the scene where he like writes on him right no, no, no. That's, That's later. Uh, yeah. N- no, no, no. I thought that was it. I thought it was when he shows up at his house. Like he like jams the the ink, the marker into his stomach and and writes on him. Yeah, or he am does I wrong? that later. That's after he's already been enabled by the mm. gets the star no, maps I, thing and all that. Okay. Yeah. I, then what does he do here? He just walks away. He kind of like threatens him and walks away. I think he just threatens him to threatens to punch him in the face. Yeah, oh. please. Yeah, because right. yeah, of all the people in the movie that interact with Moose, I think Hunter uh, might be the one that he's probably didn't see the behavior problems because he might just think he's just a, uh, you know, um, obsessed, like, geeky fan. Right. And doesn't really notice the, you know, uh, spectrum-like behavior. But the other two have absolutely no excuse, and it's the thing that infuriated me through most of the movie. Yeah, it's again, Leah and this guy. They they should be calling like social services or something like that. I don't know who's in charge of that, but there yeah, there's no just, reason why a guy of that age and of that mental capacity should be by themselves. But I, I think they are. I don't know if they're owed compensation from the state or the government, right? right. To to help them. I, I have no idea. I and I, I don't. I don't want it to be that type of movie where we go through and find out if that's true. But what uh, what Leia does is so so idiotic. Yeah. And even even when Moose tells her what he wants to do, what like what he's doing it for, how do you get outsmarted by someone like him? Yeah. Right. She's she's a little naive. Yeah. So that's yeah. really bad. So uh, what we're talking about is the next scene after he has his altercation with Dunbar is he's in like a coffee shop with Leah and he's like, hey, you're a paparazzi and you always wind up in celebrities' houses around celebrities' houses. How do you how do you find out their houses? And she's like, oh, well, I shouldn't be telling you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, I have a, an app. It's a Star Map app. You put it on your phone and you could find all celebrities' houses. Now. I'm telling you this, Moose, but don't use it. And then he immediately uses it. This reminded me of the the Simpsons scene where... uh, Now, Homer, don't you eat eat that pie. pie. (laughs) All right, pie. I'm just going to do this. And if you happen to get in the way, it's your own fault. (laughs) This this is essentially what it boils down to. Now, Moose, don't use the app. All right. Uh, Use the app immediately. From the moment, you know, this, she should have known. And again, I know we're picking on a, you know, a fictional movie or anything, but it's just, um, from the fact that he, how he gets kicked out of that party. And then, you know, the next time she interacts with him with anything is him asking for that, you know, celebrities' houses. Right. You, know, you, you she put two and been, two together. Been like, wait a second. Like, even if she didn't think about it, like Dunbar, she goes thought, are you going to go to those girls that got you kicked out of that party and do something, right. you know? There's no scenario 
where something good comes out of her giving him the information for that app. Yeah. Or you, yeah, you know that he's he even he's a self-admitted where he collects autographs. Mm-hmm. So what do you think he's going to do when he sees that James Franco is 15 minutes away from him? Yeah. Right. At the very least, he's going to go to James Franco's house and probably harass him for an autograph. Yeah. What about the what about the Francos, Leah? Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> Maybe not Franco, because apparently, you know, I don't I don't I'm, we're not going to spread rumors, obviously, but he maybe he deserves it. But the other guys, not so much. Uh, so the next scene, he starts writing a letter to Hunter Dunbar and he goes to Hunter Dunbar's house, kind of surprises Hunter Dunbar, who's out taking a run with his son. The the, the they... letter reminded me of the, uh, always sunny Chase Utley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dear Chase Utley, I think we would be best friends. We should have a catch <laughs> together sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the that first more letter charming. he starts writing, you know, yeah. Right. That was more charming and lighthearted. This is just like sad. Yep. And and just depressing. Yeah, like the like I was saying, like the first letter he starts writing is more in vein of that letter. Right. Apologizing and then saying, you know, I love your movies and I think we'd be friends or whatever. You know, what a at least in my experience dealing with people that are, are on the spectrum and all that is they would be more inclined to write that first letter than the second one probably right yeah i don't know where travolta tips it over to mental illness you know because that's what the, the second letter reads more like you know uh a stan you know from the eminem song it, re- it reads more stan like that letter. played by devin yeah, sawa <laughs> yeah that's it reads more like that letter than what somebody on the spectrum would probably write I would know what they would write, but I would imagine that it wouldn't be scathing. You no. know, it, it would probably just be like, yeah, you're, I'm a huge fan. Uh, we should hang out sometime. It, it might say inappropriate things like I love you or. Which he does do. You know, you know, that I could see that happening. But the whole telling him how much the jacket cost and, mm-hmm. you know, all, that was all a little too much. And I, I, I think. I think the problem is Travolta is just all over the place with this character. Yeah. You, you don't know if he's, you don't know where he lies on the spectrum, I guess. And I don't know if you're really supposed to, right? No. Is that, is that something that you can kind of, can you pinpoint that? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not an expert, Right. but whatever right. Travolta is, he's, he's gone, man. He's out there. Um, so he goes to the house. He, with his letter in hand, has his run-in with uh, Hunter Dunbar, and this is where like Hunter Dunbar writes all writes on his his shirt. Um, he tells him to get the fuck out of here, so he does. We get some scenes where uh, Moose is playing his uh, his English Bobby character on the streets, getting some scenes in on Hollywood Boulevard. We meet Todd the God, who is a scam artist that works on Hollywood Boulevard. He basically just um, uses the opportunity to pickpocket tourists because tourists are ca- carrying like two grand in their pockets, all straight cash. Um, yeah, as tourists do. Yeah. Um, and he has a run in with him in the bathroom because Todd the God is is an asshole. And then and then Moose goes back to Hunter Dunbar's and, house. And then we meet the third figure in this movie in that bathroom that is terrible to Moose. Um, or at least the way he gives the advice 
doesn't uh, mix with what he should security be guard. Yeah. He he has a line where tell yeah. me if he, he says you got to stand up for yourself and it reminded me of uh, Goldie uh, the mayor from Back to the Future it was a uh, Goldie Wilson. Yeah. You got to stick up for yourself, boy. Yeah. yeah. It was just essentially it was just you know just the ca- just basically you know foreshadowing what's going to happen later but with certain things but it's just you know he shouldn't again if you would say that to a person that um you know would not have the issues Travolta obviously has in this movie mm-hmm. um what should he have done say that to that stuff what, what should he have done just let him get picked on i mean no 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 what he's saying is like you standing up for himself right. you know maybe the guy doesn't really know it that he might he might just think he's shy or kind of maybe a little you know slow this isn't think, on that guy's hands we'll just uh, we'll no. just say no, his blood not is not on this guy's hands or uh, maybe does does anyone in this movie know that john travolta is special <laughs> or no one like, acts that way yeah they're yeah. like uh, people in zombie movies where no one's ever heard of a zombie before. No one's ever seen someone that's autistic before. Maybe yeah, this they, is they just... don't know what to look for. In the um, script, it's just that John Travolta's character is not supposed to be played the way he plays it, and probably. no one else knows how to yeah. just react to it. Everybody just stick it to the script. <laughs> right, like, uh, John, what are you doing? You're just supposed to be a regular dude. I mean, no, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going this way. <laughs> yeah, everyone's going that, right. That I'm would going make left. a lot more sense than... <laughs> So he winds up after that scene. He goes back to Hunter Dunbar's house again, waiting outside of his uh, his gate. Um, he tries to hop the fence, and the maid catches him and chases him off. And uh, he then goes back to Leah, and they have a confrontation. And uh, let's see what else happens. I'm scrolling through the movie right now because this is kind of where my um, yeah they have the confrontation where she does once again like finger wag in the face you better not do that again yeah right don't go so, to the house well uh he so he gets confronted by the maid yeah uh hunter kisses the maid and that's pretty much the last thing that's ever shown about that for whatever yep. reason i don't it really doesn't add anything to the movie yeah and but, this movie also has a big problem with time you know, passage of time. Right. Because I don't know how much time go because there's something that happens. And I think to myself, well, how, how long could this possibly go unnoticed? Yeah. Uh, um, so, so he has a run in with Todd, the God again, and he kind of sticks up for himself that time. Um, like in a very bad way, he kind of freaks the fuck out and tells him that he wants to see him decapitated and, uh, his head to explode basically in front of everybody to watch. Um, then we have the maid kind of talking to um, Hunter, tell him that she saw a crazy guy on his lawn. Um, and he's like, oh, okay. Never puts two and two together. He's like, oh, it must have been that dude. Um, <laughs> he's very cavalier about it. He's like, oh, are you sure it wasn't the gardener? Like, yeah. yeah, man. I'm pretty sure she would know who the gardener was. It's yeah, not some, and then some guy in a weird haircut. Yeah, so uh, then he approaches the gardener. He's like, hey, do you see anybody crazy? He's like, no, uh, it's raining. Can I go home? He's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Take the weekend off. Um, then uh, Hunter and his son leave, and uh, that's when... I'm sorry to interrupt. You wouldn't think that would have come back and helped him at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Right? He, he does yep. his man a solid. He sends him home early. 
<laughs> or at the very least, uh, him asking the question to the gardener, hey, has there been anybody snooping around? it's like i'm worried the maid says she saw somebody like no i'm just working okay well if you see someone please let me know okay can i go home yeah why not (laughs) and Um, then it's he just he turncoat man yep uh so hunter and his son leave and that's when moose goes back onto the property um on his first the first time he he got kicked off he dropped the letter um, the maid finds it in the uh, in the yard, and uh, Moose gets freaked out when she starts to pick it up because he's like, "That's for Hunter. You gotta leave it alone. That's for Hunter." They get into an altercation. She starts hitting him with like a mop. Yeah, uh, like a, she, a squeegee. Yeah, he punches her, cold cocks her right in the face. Uh, <laughs> I had thought I must have looked away. I had thought he like headbutted her. No, he does like a a quick jab to the nose. I think breaks her nose. Breaks her nose. She get she gets knocked out. Hits her head on the back of a stone fountain, and uh, she's dead. She dead. Yeah. And he doesn't realize it. He just thinks that she's like her nose is broken. Right. Like she's knocked out or whatever. And another scene that goes on a little too long. Yeah. It's like we get it, and then he gets distracted by some wind chimes. And then takes it upon himself to walk right into Hunter Dunbar's house. This was the worst part of this movie, I think. Or one of the worst parts. Yeah, this is a the... long scene. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, again, this is this is just this is pure pure Travolta. Just <laughs> we're just gonna put a camera on a couple of sticks and we're just gonna follow follow him do his thing. Around, the piano. Probably around his own home. <laughs> I, it's probably somebody's house. Yeah. I I, I don't want to come off as insensitive here, but is Ninja on the spectrum? Because he is the quietest home intruder of all time. <laughs> this guy gets from room to room. He, he's like a teleporter. I don't know what it is. It's like At one moment, he's in the bathroom. Then he's under the son's bed. Then he's in the closet. What is? How is this guy doing this? How's this sixty-year-old man with a backpack <laughs> getting around? <without laughs> right. He, he's wearing. He's wearing New Balances for Christ's yeah. sake. He's, and he and in normal social situations, he can't help himself than just outbursts. Like he's not just like start talking to the Hunter Dunbar like while he's on the phone. Right. Oh, Hunter, I really love that movie that you just mentioned. <laughs> It just comes, comes arms flailing out of the closet. <laughs> Sign my vest. He, and then Hunter has the strangest phone call of all time. <laughs> I don't know who he's talking to, but essentially it's, hey, no, I don't want to go out tonight. I kissed the maid. Yeah, there's some weird guy hanging around. The end. Yeah. Who? What? If I'm if I'm on the other end of that line, I'm like, I didn't ask any of those questions. <laughs> Tell What's going on? Made. <laughs> Sir, this is an Arby's. <laughs> yeah, I, this yeah, this movie is kind of kind of all over the place, but it's great in certain areas where it's it's perfect for us to just really riff on. But and in, in other ways, it's just like, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah. Uh, the one thing we find out in this movie at, at these in the scene, um, we get scenes of him like uh, you know playing with. A couple of moose antlers, and he's moose is in the house. Oh, he runs God. around like crazy, plays on the piano, uh, checks out the fridge, and, and is like, "Hey, there's no ice cream in here. All the money in the world, no ice cream." Right. Uh, but the one, 
key detail that we learn in this scene is that um, Hunter Dunbar takes sleeping pills to sleep mm-hmm. uh, because that helps out Moose um, in the a long few run. times. Yeah. Yeah. He uses his toothbrush, which is gross. <laughs> I think he uses his son's toothbrush. <laughs> oh, yes. He <laughs> does. Because we get a scene of his son brushing his teeth. <laughs> and his son is like 13. Yeah, he's and like, older. Why, does it, why do you have to tell your son that he's got to brush his teeth when he's that old? <laughs> right, he says that his mom doesn't make him brush his teeth all the time. Well, that's not on your mom, kid. That's on you, dude. Brush Practice your goddamn teeth. Good hygiene. Right. And he even tells him, like, listen, you're a grown-up now. Yeah. Grown-ups brush their own teeth. <laughs> Do I have to? Yeah. <laughs> this this whole family, I don't know what they were trying to do with the uh, the Dunbars, but they're, they're not likable people. And maybe that's what Durst wanted to kind of uh, portray. That, yeah, like, obviously Moose is doing something wrong here, but Dunbar really deserves it. Like, yeah. To me, it's he kind he comes across as a a real douchebag. So maybe they're trying to make you feel a little bit more sympathetic for Moose. But when yeah, when he's brushing his teeth with uh, Dunbar's kids, I think his name's Danny, right? Probably. Yeah. When he's brushing his teeth with Danny's toothbrush, it's kind of hard to sympathize. (laughs) Uh, He should know better. Yeah. And creepily reaching out from under the kid's bed to take a toy tiger. That was again. How does he get out of that kid's be- bedroom? I guess do they take sleeping pills? I don't know, man. They they're also the, sleep. They're, they're the heaviest sleepers in the world. I mean, it's just I'm just looking at a, a freeze frame of John Travolta right now. I'm just like, there's no way that guy is getting out of that kid's room undetected. Right. He he is so awkward in the way I'll... he shuffles around. I'm 34. I can't get out of a chair without groaning. <laughs> Just imagine the noises makes uh, ma- noises John Travolta makes when he gets up off the ground. <laughs> it's it's not a good sound, but yeah, he's he's very spry for a 60 year old man. I guess <laughs> he gets all over the place. Eventually, uh, Dunbar falls asleep in front of his couch because he drank some beers and took some pills. And, and uh, very, very explicitly IPAs. Yes. Yes, <laughs> you're wondering. He likes the hops. Um, so Moose takes some pictures of him while he's asleep, even drops his phone on him. But uh, he's that passed out. Yeah. Doesn't wake up. And he stays in the house so long that he falls asleep right next to Hunter Dunbar. And eventually he's woken up by Dunbar's. Uh, alarm clock and is able to get out of the house undetected right before Dunbar wakes up. And then, uh, what happens? We get a we get a flashback. Well, for Dun- no reason. yeah, that's, well, the that's right. Before they went, to school. right? That right was how was, he. Yeah, yeah. It's it's him watching Night of the Living Dead as a child. Yep. And then his mom, I guess, is having an affair or something. I don't know. It or really makes no difference. With some dudes. Right. It, it makes no difference. To it the makes movie. No, It makes some difference because he's. He's not traumatized. He's autistic. Right. <laughs> right. It, it, it would be 100% different if, yeah, like the, the guy beat him before yeah. sleeping with his mother or that he had an abusive household. Right. We don't it, really know much about it. Again, it might be, uh, I think, Dan, it was it you that mentioned like act, the actors were staying on the script while 
uh, Travolta was pretending to be autistic. Right. And it it could be the case because if if Travolta plays this where he's just like this really meek sort of character that's socially awkward and you know just looking for human contact, mm-hmm. that that flashback scene makes a whole lot more sense. Right, because he's that, raised by television. Right, he's raised by tel- like the cable guy. Yes, sort of thing. Um, but then, but if now that he he's autistic, it's like, all right, well, that's all fine and dandy. But if he's if he's on the spectrum and he's just watching TV, he's probably not even aware of what's going on behind him. He's probably not even traumatized by what's going on back there. Right. But it has nothing to do with him being autistic or not. No. And him being in this situation. He's in this in this situation because he is in this movie autistic. Yes. So maybe this was something where he decided to change his character and they had already shot the flashback scene. Right. I don't I don't know, but it regardless it doesn't add to the movie. It just if anything it just shows that he likes horror movies. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah, Which and, is and a, it, it goes back to our thing where this was Travolta trying to be Nick Cage, mm-hmm. you know, in the I sense guess. that yeah. how there's multiple points in recent Nick Cage movies where Nick is in a completely different movie than the rest mm-hmm. of the cast, but he makes it work somehow because he's probably a better actor um, <laughs> overall than Travolta. Um, I wouldn't and, say he's a better actor. He's just more batshit crazy, and that just works to his advantage. Yeah, I think there's Travolta's no... been chasing that ghost since Face Off. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, you're, you're. I think you're right. I'm. I'm looking at a still right now of Fred Durst with uh with Travolta, and Travolta just looks miserable. Does he have a backwards red Yankee cap on? No, he has a like a boater hat on. It's. It's. He has a scene. It's the scene with the uh the eye piece, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Travolta just. He looks like he's pondering what he's doing with his life. And and Travolta and Durst is all about. It. He's like, yeah, this is gonna rock. And Travolta's just fuck me. <laughs> this was a yeah. mistake. So then after he leaves, uh, we get a scene, the scene of Devin Sawa and his son driving around in his BMW, listening to some Limp Bizkit. <laughs> they couldn't have As one the does. worst Limp Bizkit song. And he re- reacts to Limp Bizkit as if oh. he's having an orgasm. He's fired up yeah you, you like that right yeah <laughs> i used to he's listen like, to this he's like the day. he's like he's fucking the soundtrack is what he's doing it's like you like that you like that and i don't really <laughs> know we were, we, we were pondering this before the sh- before the podcast um is this like one of the songs that fred durst owns and didn't have the license or is this the cheapest Limp Bizkit song to license? It's the uh, new hit single coming out in uh, in March, man. Yeah, I, may, I think that's probably what he wanted to do, right? He wanted to do a little bit of cross promotion. But come on, man, if you just play the goddamn hits, right? <laughs> play don't rolling, be, yeah, break stuff, right? It, don't don't get cute with it, all right? <laughs> just <laughs> no one's gonna Devin, know that was Limp Bizkit. <laughs> Devin Sawa loves those B sides, man. I can imagine Devin Sawa was like, like, do we really have to play this? This song fucking blows. Hunter, Hunter Dunbar is like, you know, most people, they would skip all over this song after, you know, break <laughs> right. stuff played. But, you know, true Biscuit fans, they let the, the whole album play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're not a true Biscuit unless you know 
the B-sides. I'm yeah. assuming Limp Bizkit fans call themselves Biscuits. Yeah, or, yeah. I don't I don't know if there are, are any real fans. Limps, <laughs> limpers? Limpers. <laughs> or if they just called, like, Bakers, because, you know, Biscuit. All, Maybe. All my, all my bakers out there. Yeah. Uh, so while he's driving around, he spots um, Moose in his neighborhood. So they have another altercation. Tells him to get out of out of his neighborhood. So Moose goes, runs away. Has and a. This is where Devin Sawa has the line where something about shoving the gun so far up his ass and shooting it, you'll be, you know, basically shitting blood and bullets for a week or something. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna ram. He's going to shove his Remington so far up his ass, he's going to be shitting uh, blood and bullets for the rest of his life. Yeah. It's a decent uh, threat. Yeah. It's a a decent threat when you're threatening a guy on the autism scale. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he he goes home. Eventually he goes to work. He has a bad day at work. He goes home. He he crashes his moped, gets hurt, then goes home, and he burns all his... Hunter Dunbar memorabilia gets really he mad. Turns, he turns into an NFL uh, fan. Yeah. <laughs> and then what, this is what happens when you kneel. Yep. Yeah. And then we smash cut to uh, Hunter Dunbar tied up in his own bed. Uh, well, oh no, he he has another uh, conversation this, with himself in the the mirror. No, sure. and and then this is uh, when the friend becomes the worst person in the movie is when she comes over because he posted on his social media the photo of him kissing That's right. Hunter right. and the photos in the house. And she's like, I could go to the police with this. Yes, do well, so, Why please. didn't you? Right. Yeah, clearly, this man, has, he's breaking and entering. He's harassing. He's committed quite a few crimes. He murdered someone. Well, <laughs> well, she doesn't know maybe that. not murder. Yeah. Maybe and then, involuntary yeah. manslaughter. And then the last thing is he shoves her up against a wall and then starts hitting his phone and saying, I blocked you. Like, wouldn't your mm. next step be to turn around and go, uh, 911? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, it's, I, it's my friend might good. need some help. <laughs> yeah. You know. So then, after that happens, we get the scene where Hunter Dunbar is l- is tied to his bed. And it's a scene straight out of, a, out of misery where... Um, Moose tells him all the ways that he should be a better person. He's got to get ice cream. He should be nicer to him. All that kind of bullshit. Um, so Hunter, you know, starts starts uh, stroking his ego a little bit. You know, yeah. telling him all the nice things about uh, what they're gonna do. We're gonna be friends. We're gonna get ice cream. You know, all that kind of bullshit. Right. And he but, drops yeah, he... the opening thing from the movie. Yeah. You, you, yeah, he tells him, you have all the power. You're a fan. Without you, I'm nothing. Like, he really schmoozes him up. Yeah. Um, so they have conversation. Eventually, Hunter Dunbar is able to convince Moose to let him go. As soon as he does, he Oof. punches him right in the face, then takes the shotgun, which I guess was uh, right above the bed, shoots Somewhere, off his fingers. Yeah. Um, he, he, he goes RoboCop style on him. Yeah, he shoots off his fingers. Uh, what else does he do? He like shoots like right by his head. Yeah, like, on both sides. Make him deaf. Um, and then he, he takes a knife and like stabs his eye right out. <laughs> I guess, but how does that not kill him? The, right. Because that was a big knife. Yeah, that's what I, I was thought, thinking. 
I thought like, he like stabbed him in the gut or something. Like for someone that just got stabbed in the eye, he was taking it as well as to be expected. Yeah, yeah, it, it didn't. Because I was confused was the whole time. I was like, is, did is his is his eye out? Did he lose his eye? Is it just bloody? Yeah, like, that's just like. I, I was confused. I thought he got blood in his eye. Yeah. Like he, he was stabbed and then the blood spurted into his eye. Yeah. But yeah, but then he just, he, so uh, Hunter, uh, not Hunter, I'm sorry. What's his name? Moose. Uh, yeah, Moose just kind of gets back up. He's helped up and he just kind of walks it off. Yeah. He like just basically pushes him out of his house. He I think yeah. there was a second where he was thinking of just, Killing him right there, and then he's like, "That's not who I am." I guess Hunter Dunbar does and not have a, Hunter Dunbar does not have a a character arc in this movie, so <laughs> this change of heart feels like it should be the end of a character arc, but there is no it, character arc. Right. Yeah, and and it's it's moment number two when you know the police should have been called. Right. Right. Yes. Instead of violently attacking this man who is in no way a threat to you, even I mean, yes, he tied you up, but it's clear that he's not going to harm you. He had several chances to do so. He he doesn't have a violent bone in his body, really. Just call the cops on him, man. You you, you schmoozed him. You got him right where you want him. He unties yeah. you. It's like, yeah, man. All right, listen, we're going to go out. Let me just put on some new clothes. Let me call the, you know, and we'll we'll get it figured out. And just call the cops. And boom, done. And another thing is, why hasn't he found out that the maid is dead yet? Yeah, this yeah. is like three days later? Right. His house is not that big. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe and it's the weekend. Maybe she doesn't work the weekends. Maybe. But yeah. I'm, I'm assuming he looked out the friggin' window at one point or another. Right. Yeah, his yard is <laughs> not that big. That's what, you know, he's not on an estate. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's there, a big house, obviously. There was a point where I was going to text you in the group chat and go, did I miss what happened to the maid? <laughs> nope, she's still there. <laughs> and like literally the moment when I started thinking that is when, you know, the whole bullshit of an ending began. Oh. Um, yeah, and I'm like, oh, oh no, that's going to happen now. Yeah, the, yep. the, the way they wrap up this whole thing is evil. I think that's <laughs> a good way to put it. And it's because the person who should have gotten in trouble doesn't. And the person who key, who was the enabler just allows him to enable again. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they become closer. Right. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. All that happens. Right. It's like a bonding moment. Yeah. This is a, a, a rite of passage between these two characters. This is what they had to go yeah. through yeah. And, and, and to the, make their relationship stronger. Right. Right. Yeah, they, they had that little falling out, but now it's all better. They made up. Yeah. And then the person has... All the problems occurred to them throughout the entire movie is the one that ends up going to jail. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, essentially what happens is uh, it, it takes a real dark turn, right? He, he, shoots, he shoots his fingers off. He stabs him in the eye. But then he decides to let him go. He, uh, Moose, uh, Leah encounters Moose walking down Hollywood Boulevard. She goes to help him. And she, I don't know what really happens there, but she, she's going to like get him to the hospital. And there's the voiceover where, you know, uh, yeah, like I felt bad for Moose and I feel bad for Hunter, but who I'm really worried about is the maid. And she sets Hunter up to, she frames Hunter for the murder of the maid, essentially. And 
Why? Wait, I didn't get that from the movie at all. Really? I didn't get that she was the one that framed it. Is that Mark? Did you get that? That's I, what I, I thought the I thought the gardener just walked in and found them. Yeah. The and next morning. I thought that she was the reason that it happened. No. Like, because she's I... asking she's asking Moose what happened and he tells her and then she makes the call. That's what I thought. Why would the why would the gardener Oh, but that does that would make more sense, right? Because the gardener, the gardener shows, shows up. up with the cops. I I think in my head when she has the voiceover of I was more worried about the maid, it's that she her that she knew. Says? Yeah, she says I'm more worried about the maid. That, oh. That's the last voiceover, like the last part of her or voiceover. Or maybe she doesn't know the way he told her the story. Maybe she doesn't know the maid's dead. Maybe. But again, yeah. I'm just I'm getting it from just that one line. I mean, it's a terribly written movie, so who knows what they were I really guess it trying. Could be in, it could be interpreted either way. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, the, but then the gardener just like totally turns on Hunter. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't. It makes no sense. Like he's the, the the gardener's never treated poorly by Hunter, and there's never been any reason for foul play against the maid, right? Yeah, not that we know. Right, um, like he, the, he I guess the only the maid. I mean, the I guess the only hint at that is I think that they say after they kiss is like he. I think they say like, oh, we can't let this happen again. I'm like I can't do this again. Right. So I'm assuming that there was a previous relationship. Probably what maybe maybe that's what happened. Why he has an ex-wife. Um, so maybe the. The gardener knows the the past, and maybe it's like, oh, well, maybe this is just a, a she spurned his advances, or she told him it was over, yeah. and then he got mad and killed her. It, it just it's a poorly written ending, where no one who you know, like no one grows. There's no, as Anthony said, there's no story arcs completed. And you no, just he learns a lesson. <laughs> yeah, you you just like, leave dumber for having watched yeah, it. Th- the ending accomplishes nothing. Nope. At all. Nothing. Like, is it, it, were we supposed to say, was it supposed to be a dark comedy? And this, you know, was it, like, what What were they going for yeah, with the what was? Yeah, what was the, the end product here? What were you trying yeah. to show us? And then they even, the last, the last thing in the movie before the credits is that dumb chalkboard thing that they were doing. And it was him with a pirate patch on and a hook <sighs> right, and her right, with and... angel wings. Yeah, Leah and being his saving grace, I guess. Yeah, guardian angel. Uh, yeah, everything about this was just sad and depressing and disturbing. And I guess just I, I don't have any other adjectives <laughs> for this movie. Just bad. Yeah, this, this is the most pissed off by an ending I've been in a long time. Let something. it out. <laughs> Let it out, man. Let yeah. the hate flow through you. <laughs> Yeah, that that's that's the end of this movie. And uh, the one thing that we'd never mentioned was those like chalk drawings that mm. are kind of creepy looking. They were like the scary stories to tell in the dark drawings. Right. They kind of come out of is, nowhere. There's yeah. like no there's no aesthetic within the movie. Are they supposed uh, to be act breaks? I don't know. That's what I kind of took them as. They were just like little breaks in the movie, right? And just showing you where Moose is at that point in the movie. Yeah. It's just it, weird because like nobody does those like like if one of the characters did chalk drawings <laughs> like that it would be like it would make more sense. Yes. Yeah. Like if yeah. he was shown to be in like some sort of an artist. Yeah. 
artiste. Yeah, an artiste. <laughs> yeah. But, so, yeah, my my I uh, and I don't know if you were able to look this up or anything. I didn't get a chance to because I just had to have a palate cleanser right after watching this movie. Um, the those chalk drawings. Any chance they're Fred Durst's chalk drawings? Sure. Uh, I'm not sure. It's entirely yeah. possible. Uh, I didn't see if it was. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if there's any even any conclusive, but that was one of the first things I thought. I was like, did he draw these? And he's like got that much of an, you know, ego that he's just like, yeah, I drew these. We're going to put them in a movie, <laughs> you know, sort of things. Right. But yeah, this, this entire, it just, at least when there's a ending where the bad guy wins, you know, you can at least go, okay, I get why. Yeah. You know, this, I'm like, I, like, why does he win? Like, if, if Devin Sawa's character was, like, the worst person alive, and, you know, that, you know, he gets accused of murder and all that, and it's like, oh, well, he, he probably murdered someone else in the past. So, you know, okay. But there's, all he does in this movie, besides being an asshole, is just, he's protective of his son. Yeah. You know, that's the whole reason he is an asshole, you know, and then I, I don't know. The yeah, I didn't I didn't. <laughs> uh, it looks like graphic art and design was by Morgan Walston. OK, I'm assuming that's what that is. Um, so not Fred Durst. OK, well, either way, he was shitty and we can just like like it was an say interest, that it just... it's an interesting like aesthetic, but it's completely out of place in this movie. There's no there's no tying it to the movie we see it's just but that's it's like par there. for the course right? yeah that's par for the course with this movie nothing that's really put in there adds to the movie and right. it doesn't necessarily subtract for it it's just there yeah. maybe just a time filler i don't know i don't know um maybe it's a palate cleanser i don't know uh how would you guys make this better uh like one of the things if you're going to almost like the cable guy if you're going to delve into moose's history it needs to be more than just a scene of him watching night of the living dead mm-hmm. uh i would maybe like to seen him growing up like as a child yeah he's being raised on movies he's getting picked on or maybe how he starts his um uh his collection of autographs something that kind of ties him together with hollywood uh, I would also like to have seen his interactions with Leah. Or is it Leia or Leah? Leia. Leah. Leah. So I would like to have seen how they met, how, like, their, I guess, their uh, more interactions with them. Uh, I actually would like to have seen him die at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because that's really where this movie should have gone. You know, he, he breaks into this guy's house, and Hunter is clearly a deranged kind of guy he's not a good dude and he just blows him away or whatever i think that's kind of how you make at least you you feel as if there's more of a there's more of a complete ending there right he he met his hero he got to envision himself hanging out with him and the next thing you know is like maybe it's just like a like a dying dream where he's out out on the town with hunter and they're eating ice cream, doing whatever he was telling them he would do. But really, he's just he's bleeding out. Mm-hmm. So he kind of gets his happy ending. Sure. Yeah. Mark? Yeah. My my number one thing is the ending's got to go one one of three ways. Um, either 
um, hunter dies, um, moose dies, or they do the sensible thing and he like gets moose arrested. Um, the the ending with anything positive happening for moose um, doesn't work. So my I would go. You could either go really dark and do have have the ending be like a murder suicide, and that's why the friends doing the voiceover. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like recant retelling. You know, like her guilt that this happened um, is why she's the narrator. That would make a lot more sense with him still being alive, or, or than him in the real movie being alive and her doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be another thing I would fix. Um, and then number one, I would just have him be more of a socially awkward, shy guy than you know being on the spectrum at all. Because I think that's it's just exploitative of that um, condition, you know, um, you know, because it, it, it just it's like, oh, this guy's a deranged fan. Well, what would make him tip? Well, he is he's autistic and would know better. That's how it works, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just seeing like, you know, like I think Ant might have said earlier, maybe it was you, Dan, you know, just a guy looking for social like interaction. And he grew up on television you know, and that, those were the people that he thought were his friends because he didn't have any real friends mm-hmm. or anything like that. So he became and, you know, maybe you could even say he that first autograph he got or something was Hunter after his first movie or something. And, you know, he thought he was his friend this whole time. And he's like, oh, I'm going to get to see him again. You know, and then, right. this happens. you know, you could just have the, the you know, the, the mental breakdown happen that way. Um, but. Yeah, just a lot of the choices in the movie um, were meant. I was wondering. I would. I would be curious of how many writers were in this movie. Just two. Uh, just two. Okay. Fred Durst and another guy. Okay. Because it just it just felt like there were pieces of a movie there, and then they tried to stick it all together. And then you also had Travolta going off um, yeah. because you know the the voiceover fits the whole Hollywood Boulevard thing. Feels like it's from a different movie. Um, you know, it just jumbled pieces together that don't fit and there's easy ways to make them fit, but they didn't make any of those choices. And I think if you just rearrange some things, you can make, you can make somewhere of a more modern take on, um, you know, what is it? The fan? That's the Wesley Snipes, Robert De Niro movie, you Mm -hmm. know, do a more modern take on that. Sure. Um, with the social media and all and the selfies and things like that mm-hmm. you know but they just i don't know what they were going for but yeah. i think the, uh, the concept's good mm-hmm. yeah uh i think the movie you're describing uh because they've basically made that movie before and it's a good movie it's called ingrid goes west starring aubrey plaza and elizabeth olsen okay um it um it does and fix all the problems that this movie has um i would if I, if I were to change it, I would not make him autistic. I would just make him super socially awkward a lot in the way that Ingrid in that movie is just obsessed with him and yeah. just trying to ingratiate himself in into Hunter Dunbar's life rather than just showing up trying, you know, this movie gets to a point where it's just repetitive. It's like he's at his mm-hmm. house and he gets kicked out and he goes back to his house and gets kicked out. Um, so yeah, I would just, I would make him just a, a lonely guy that maybe, maybe they have a chance encounter 
at like a bar or something like that. And they, you know, they have a, they tie one off on together and they have a fun night. And then he just becomes trying to shoehorn his way into his life. And Hunter reacts negatively towards that. And that's when, you know, things happen at the end. Um, you know, uh, okay. as Mark said, um, it's kind of exploitative to, you know, create him an autistic. I think a lot of the times in pop culture, uh, mental illness is shown as being coming with violent consequences, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not necessarily the case all the time. Uh, most of the time, it's not, um, and I think it is kind of a, a stereotype that perpetuates in pop culture, which should probably go away. Um, but uh, it, this movie wants to be, at the end, it wants to be about Leah and Moose and their relationship with that whole chalk chalk art with her as an angel and it's like well you didn't earn that at all no. so if that's gonna be the ending then you need to earn it and that needs to be more of the movie um she needs to be a bigger presence in that if that's how you're you're gonna end this movie yeah yeah and yeah I, I think you guys are all i think we're all right we are I, all right yeah <laughs> uh the uh and going to that point with leah um i think she's the character i was most angry at in this movie um, is that even when she's describing, like, her job, it just seems like she's, like, a, a caricature of a paparazzi. Like, just, like, uh, hey, so I sat here and I got a shot and, you know, sheer top with no bra, that'll get me a lot of money. Yeah. You well, know, she's like, a vulture, essentially. Yeah, like, it's the biggest caricature um, of those types of people, even though they, they're great people. But they, like, take it, it's like, it seems like something like Fred Durst or maybe one of the other writers, like, you know, thinks how these people talk, mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing more than an actual conversation a photographer would have. Yeah. Um, sort I, of, if you, if you get what I'm sort of saying there. Sure. But. I think Leah is, like, I don't get the relationship. I think I would, I would rewrite Leah's character completely. Um, I, I think she, she would have to be an older person. Not necessarily like not John Travolta's age, but like I don't see the relationship between a 60-year-old autistic man and a guy that would be a woman that would be young enough to be his granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a paparazzi and doesn't seem to have like a nurturing bone in her body. It, it's a creepier the, Doc Brown and Marty. It's just like she she doesn't seem to have any interest in taking care of him well, until the, the end. end. Yeah. Until the end. Right. And then it's just kind of like she like because she doesn't she doesn't help him out in any way going into those last seven minutes. She is a major player in the things that happen because of her bad decisions um, and her inability to be a nurturing force in her his life. So I think you, you have to create you have to make her older. You have to give her a different job, probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's a social worker or something like that. I, I was just going to say you could keep the paparazzi thing. Um, and maybe the way they bond is over. She can say, Hey, look who I got shots of today, you know, and sure. since he's a movie fanatic, you know, that's how they bond is over. Sure. Oh, you got that. That's pretty awesome. They were, you know, sort of just, um, but it seems like any interest he has, she has no interest in, Like yeah. she's not shown as a horror movie fan. She's not shown as, you know, they like the same celebrities or anything like there's no there's no common ground that they seem to stand on short of 
you know, they both do something vaguely, uh, or one likes something in the uh, movie industry and one exploits a way to make money off of that same industry. It's basically Mm. the only way they're connected. What if she's the one who takes the fall at the end instead of Moose? So, like, Moose gets caught by the cops or whatever, and he and they're asking like, well, how did you find his place? And and he just says, oh my, you know, my friend told me about this thing and she showed me how to do it. I don't know if you if that would mean she would get in trouble at all, but yeah. she should be held held accountable for what she yeah. helped. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If 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 they're gonna keep it with he gets arrested and is on the spectrum, he would easily tell the cops that. Like, right. He would have no filter, no thought of self of preservation of anybody. Right. Even it's himself. Just, it's just you know, he's, he's gonna tell the truth. He's gonna tell the truth no matter what. Right. As he mm-hmm. shows he does in the movie. You right. Know? So, you know, if you keep it as is, then yes, she would go to jail with him. I don't know jail, but she would at least be brought in by the cops. <laughs> sure you don't, Mark. God, I want this yeah. woman to go to jail so bad. Yeah, you've never been to jail. <laughs> so bad at this movie. Right. We uh, know you were at the Eagles parade. Uh, also, just to end it real uh, like a little cherry on top of this, uh, how we like to, whenever we review a John Travolta movie, obviously this is our second one, we always bring up how he is the oatmeal to Nicolas Cage's uh, Thai food. Mm. Nicolas Cage has a movie coming out called Pig, yep. where he is a forager alone in the wilderness in Oregon, and his beloved foraging pig is kidnapped, and now he must journey into Portland. So once again, just burying John Travolta. So so is that, so, so is that just the plot of Taken, but with a pig? But with a pig, yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Listen, man, this dude. He's on. A, he got, he's on another astral plane. You you have to respect. It's just it's just him. German expressionism. But it's just like you throw anything his way, and he's like, yeah, I'll do it, and he just makes it that more that much more interesting yeah like, i'm fully him on board is, him is snoop dog you yeah. just pitch him something they're like is it gonna pay money i'm in well hey I'm he's in. got tax problems man right but those God dinosaur the skulls don't buy themselves <laughs> yeah i'm excited for this. the person that wrote that movie um you guys got any plugs uh sure yeah, wrapping my, up here? yes my tweeter at the aquino 122 you can follow Stranger Damies also on Twitter and Instagram at Stranger Damies. And that is it for me. Yeah, so uh, Stranger Damies, um, we took last week off um, just because I've been trying to put together a special um, episode uh, going into our new session, uh, whose episodes will start next week. So they'll probably go up on Thursday at this point, And then our new session will start um, the week after. And then we'll have the Halloween um, hopefully the Halloween one shots um, for October, and that'll leave us right into Extra Life, which is the other thing to promote here. We are um, raising money for the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. We're doing a 24-hour live stream on November 16th, starting at 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. So feel free to join us. It's on Twitch.tv/TheMainDamy. Uh, um, so we'll be there playing games, uh, any, everything from classic games to first-person shooters. To uh, we'll have a Jackbox hour or two going there. Um, we will do a live session of Stranger Damies, so be sure to tune in. And then also I'd like to thank we had a uh, someone out there by the name of Jessica that donated $100 to us, wow. and I'd like to thank them a lot. If 
Um, we're trying to get the goal of $500, um, and that has gotten us one-fifth of the way there, which is that's awesome. That's a huge chunk, yeah. So that's yeah, uh, before, not before all heroes we wear there. capes, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> so so thanks. Thank you so much. So just be on the lookout for that. Great. Um, the one thing I want to plug for this podcast is next time we talk we will be in 31 days of halloween 31 days of horror so that means for the next five episodes we will be doing nothing but horror movies which we are more than excited about except for mark probably yeah Um, this is the worst month of uh, the year for mark (laughs) so we've got five weeks in the month so we're going to do four movies that we've already picked and then we're going to put a poll up on twitter and we will go for the fifth movie through that in addition to this podcast over at the mainnaming.com we will be doing 31 days of horror every single day in october that means one review per day we have successfully reviewed 31 horror movies past three years so we're looking to make this a fourth always our favorite time of the year so can't wait i have already subscribed to shutter so that will be helping us in our horror movie watching you can check out all of that great stuff at the mainnamey.com that's going to be october 1st it's going to hit the ground running and we are excited uh, you can find us at the main Damey on twitter instagram and facebook uh, it's just at the main Damey. we are they called us a movie and you can find us at they called us movie.podbean.com Find us on every uh, podcast streaming app. So that's iTunes, Google, Google Play Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you find your podcast, you could find us. We are also on Geek Vibes Nation podcast stream. So you can go there, listen to us, and also listen to a bunch of great other shows. That's Geek Vibes Nation. It's gvnation.com, and they are on all social media platforms at geek vibes nation um that's gonna wrap this up this week um so i once again said that we were gonna be quick this time and we are about to talk for 100 minutes um unless i do some editing so uh this week has been the fanatic so for dan and mark this is anthony Delvecchio gladly telling director of the fanatic fred durst go fuck himself Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.